Thank you for joining us at Luminous Church. And this morning, we hope that you see Jesus clearly. We've been in a series. It's called Discipleship, as you can see on the screen. Um, it's our summer series. It's going to be, it's been a little longer than what we normally do. Most of our series are about four weeks long. So now this summer, we're doing an eight week long series. So it's a long time. You're going to know more about discipleship than you ever have before, probably after this eight weeks. But the first half of this series is the more the relational side of discipleship. So the very first message, Pastor Ben told us, what is a disciple and kind of talked about discipleship in general, some of the things that we thought discipleship was in the past, and what we feel like discipleship here is at Luminous here. The next week, Jared Gallardo came up here and spoke for the first time and did an awesome job, and he told us what it meant to be a follower of Jesus, and he challenged us to, to, to really follow Jesus with every part of our life. And then last week, Pastor Ben came up again, and he spoke about what it meant to be a fisher of men and to go and to look and to fish for people to bring them into the kingdom of God. Well, this week, I get the opportunity to talk to you about something that's very important to me, something that's near and dear to my heart, which is family. And family has a big part to do with discipleship. Family is, an is kind of a relevant topic for me right now. Um, just this week, my sister and brother-in-law gave birth to their second daughter. So I have now four nieces. And also it's relevant because Jill and I are also going to have a baby in February. So my family's growing, as you can tell. I got nieces everywhere. I got baby number two coming. So family's kind of right here and it's near and dear to my heart. You know, I. Growing up, I was kind of a normal kid for the most part. I mean, I guess I was a little strange, but for the most part, I did all the normal guy, normal boy things, right? You know, you run around in the, run around in the uh, yard, and you're on your bicycle all the time, and you're playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Power Rangers. Yeah, I, I had a Power Ranger that I was, I pretended to be. I was the Silver Power Ranger. And me and my friend, we would go around and we would play, you know, and we would transform into our Power Ranger, you know. So for the most part, normal, normal. <laughs> the uh, strange part about me probably was even when I was like 10 years old, I wanted a family, right? So I would tell my parents, I was like, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to be a dad. Can't wait to be a husband. I don't know what 10-year-old walks around talking about wanting to be a husband or a father, but that was me. And I just could not wait to have a family. And so now I'm blessed with a wonderful wife. I'm blessed now with a, a three-year-old daughter who's in the nursery. And I'm also going to have another child. And I cannot wait to meet them as well. You know, growing up, family was really important to me because I was around family all the time. My, my mom's side of the family in particular was very close. So it wasn't just like my parents and my brother and sister and I, it was my cousins, it was my aunts and uncles, we were always together, we had Christmas together, we had Thanksgiving together, we spent weeks together in the summer, so we were really close. So this is why family, you'll hear this, this message is going to be pretty passionate for me because of how important family is to me and how much of like a part of my life it's been. 
And I think it's interesting, though, that you look at the rest of the world throughout all of recorded history, any kind of culture, there's family. There's some idea of family. There's not a culture that I've ever heard of or looked up or on the internet that didn't have some concept of family. Family exists everywhere. Family exists in every continent, every age, every race, every culture, there's family. And so it's something that kind of resonates in all of us. Human beings in general, I think, have this desire to kind of be in a collective group, right? They want to have a family. They want to have a place that they can recognize and say, this is home. This is my family. This is who I belong to. This is who I'm like, right? And so it's a, it's a topic that pretty much anyone can listen to and have things that they'll resonate with. I think a lot of this has to do with our creation, right? Our creation, the way God made man. God made man for a particular purpose, right? He made us to be in relationship with him. That's it. That's what scripture tells us. Like, that's what God wanted when he made man. He said, I want to be in relationship with this creation, this people. And so most of the time throughout history, unfortunately, human beings have kind of viewed this relationship through the long, wrong lens, right? We kind of viewed our relationship with God as kind of this like master-servant role, right? Like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta do the right thing or God's gonna punish me. And if I do the right thing, then God will bless me, right? That's how we kind of viewed our relationship with God. But that's not how God views us. God viewed us as his children. That's why he made us. He views us through the lens of relationship through family, right? It's not a master-servant role. It's not, it is a God and people role and creator and creation, but what really defines our relationship with God is family. And we know that by the, what he called Adam when he made Adam. In Luke, in the genealogy of Jesus, it, talk, it calls Adam the son of God. Most people don't know that. Most people don't realize that. We all have heard that Jesus is the son of God, but Adam was the son of God too. And I believe that God put that in the scriptures for a particular purpose, right? He put that in there so that we would know that, we are, that God has a family and that he made mankind to be family and in relationship with him. Now, unfortunately, Adam sinned and fell, and then we lost that relational connection with God, that family connection with God. And that's why man began to view God through this kind of master, servant, punisher, blesser role right? But then Jesus comes, and he comes as a man, but he, more and more, even more than that, he comes as a man who is the son of God. And he puts on display for three years in his ministry, puts on display a relationship of God and man as father and son. He puts on this family relationship. You know, and, and that just shows us that's what God's about. That's what this whole thing is about, is family. God's restoring his family to him. You know, and when I saw my daughter born, that was the most incredible, joyful experience of my life, right? Seeing her come and seeing her eyes open for the first time and to hold her and to, and to hear her voice, I was overcome in that moment with love for her. 
right? And in that moment, my whole understanding of love, whole understanding of God changed because then I understood that he loves me that same way. And even more, like as much, as hard as it is to believe that somebody could love me more than I love my daughter, Alaska, that's how much God loves us. So we got to ask the question, who is God's family then? In 1 John 5.1, it tells us, it says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. Later, I mean, not later, really, before, in Romans 8, 14 through 15, it goes further and it tells us, for all, the, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons for whom we cry, Abba, Father. So that tells us right there. And that's what that last song we sang is about too. It's about being adopted into the family of God. So we know that you're in the family of God if you follow Jesus and you're led by his spirit. That's a family member of God. You are have been adopted in. You're no longer a slave. You're no longer a slave to the law. You've been welcomed into the family of God. And just like any family, God's family has a history. God's family has a lineage. God's family has something that makes it its, its family, right? Who here has, has heard of Ancestry.com? right? Who's signed up for Ancestry.com? Only me? Oh, okay, because I'm a big nerd, right? So I signed up for Ancestry.com. I got on the the free trial. There's like the 30-day free trial where they won't charge your credit card. So it's like, oh, I want to know about my family. So I sign up and, and it's pretty popular. You see all over the United States, people are signing up for Ancestry.com and they're trying to figure out who they are and they're filling out their family trees and they're going to their parents and they're asking for the first time, what was great grandpa's name again? Because they want to fill out their tree and they got to figure it out, right? And that's the reason they're trying to figure that out isn't because they care really probably about these people that they've never met before. They care because they want, they think it says something about them, right? Because that's what family a lot of times is about. It's about identity. We want to know what does it say about me? These people who lived in the past, right? I want to know about me. Well, I didn't learn these things that I'm about to tell you from Ancestry.com, but I did learn them from my uncle, who's kind of our like family historian. So he tells these stories, right, about our family. And my mom's side of the family in particular is pretty, you know, they got these like historical figures. He's like, you know, titans almost in history. So one of the people, how many people have heard of the pilgrims? All right. Well, um, I am a direct descendant of William Bradford. Yeah, that says a lot about me, right? Can I hear the praises from me? Because I am a direct descendant of William Bradford. So yeah, he was my grandfather way, 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 way back. We're so much alike. I look just like him. Um, and so, so there you go. That's, that's something about my mom's history. Another part of my mom's history is I have family members who fought in the Texas War of Independence. Um, there's little trinkets in the Alamo that belong to my family. Then you can go in there and you can see him. And my brother-in-law to this day 
claims that we just make those up, that we just walk in there and we kind of pick random things. We're like, oh, yeah, that's my family's. <laughs> but we, unless my uncle's a liar, and I'm not, you know, but I just noticed there's my family tree. If you didn't realize, I filled out so much of it. Can't you tell all the blank spaces over here? <laughs> so it really held my attention these 30 days. Um, luckily, I canceled it before they charged my credit card. Um, my dad's side of the family is a little bit of a different story than my mom's. Now, I want, my dad's going to listen to this podcast, so I'm going to say right now, he's an amazing man. <laughs> he loves God, and he led our family well. My grandfather was the same way. He was a pastor. He loved his family. But if you go back a few generations before that, they kind of turned into little nefarious characters. <laughs> so the story goes is my... What, I don't know what he was. I guess he's probably an uncle or something. During the Prohibition, you know, when the United States, like, forbid the distribution and production of alcohol, well, he was one of those, like, Al Capone guys who, like, sneaks alcohol and distributes it for money. He gets caught. He's in Oklahoma City. He's trying to escape. So he's fleeing from the federal government, and he's running on a rooftop, right, in Oklahoma City, like, jumping from rooftop to rooftop, and a marshal pulls his gun and shoots his ear off. Yeah, that's my family right there. So now you understand me, right? I got outlaw on one side, and I got William Bradford on the other. Oh, man. Luckily, I'm a disciple of Jesus, and so even though... You know, maybe some of those things are things I might be prideful about and other things I wouldn't be prideful about. Those don't define me anymore. Because a family-focused disciple of Jesus, it's not about necessarily just our blood family anymore. It's about our spiritual family. Because I've been born anew. I've been adopted into a family, and that family is God's, right? And it has a history. And its history is infinitely better than my history in my natural family, right? Every family has a founder, too. Every family has a, a person who started that family. Most of us don't know who started our families way, way, way back when. We may have an idea of you know, what country they originated from, but we don't really know who the founder is. We do know who the founder is of this family, and that's Jesus. Jesus is the beginning and the ending of the family of God. And so I think it's important for us to kind of reflect for a moment on who Jesus is and who he says, what the word says he is, and then we can know who we are through that, right? That's our family. That's what makes our family our family is Jesus. So if you turn with me to Colossians 1, 15 through 22, you can pull out your Bible on that. You can look it up on your phone. It might, it'll be even be on the Luminous Church app. It says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, 
the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That's Jesus. Okay. That passage, it, it, it resonates with me a lot. That's my favorite passage in the Bible. Colossians, is, anytime I get a new book, a new Bible, the first book I turn to is Colossians, and the first thing I read is that passage. Because to me, that's Jesus, right? That's Jesus in all, like Paul is trying his best in our own weak human words to try to describe the majesty of this man, Jesus, who was the fullness of God while he was a man walking the earth. That's our history, right? That's not just Jesus, right? That's the founder of our family. That's the person that you get to claim and you get to say, that's my relative, right? That's the person you get to say, this is my family. That's the amazing thing to me about being saved. I love, I mean, it would be enough just to know that God paid the price for my sins and that I was no longer to be separated from God eternally. But not only that, he goes another step further, but he welcomes me into his family. And I get to say, Jesus is my family, right? It's powerful. On a lighter note, who has ever watched Star Wars? See, you're going to see how nerdy I am. I'm just going to keep adding new levels of nerdiness on top of it, right? I joined Ancestry.com. Now I'm going to use Star Wars in a message. Okay, so the original Star Wars is 1970-something. I wasn't alive. I know I look old. I'm bald, but I was not alive when this movie originally came out. Don't ask me what it was like in the theater. I, I was 11... I was 11 years removed from being born, so okay, I'm, I've just seen it on VHS, so that shows you how old I am. Um, <laughs> there's this scene, and it's in the first movie, and Luke Skywalker has um, gone to see Ben Kenobi, right? He's in, sitting in Ben Kenobi's house, and Ben Kenobi turns, and he, he reaches into this like drawer thing, and he pulls out, what does he pull out? The lightsaber, and he's like, and Luke's like, It's like, oh, yeah, I got a laser sword. <laughs> and I was like, I want a laser sword. <laughs> so Luke's holding the laser sword, and Ben Kenobi starts to tell him. He says, that's your father's lightsaber. And Luke's like, what? That's not my father's lightsaber. My father was like a pilot. He's a pilot who sold, you know, spices or something. And Ben Kenobi's like, no, your father was a Jedi. And that was his sword, and he fought with me in the Clone Wars. And then Ben Kenobi says, you should come with me and become a Jedi. And every boy is like, I'll go with you to be a Jedi. <laughs> and eventually, Luke does the same thing, right? Luke goes with Ben Kenobi, begins to be trained in the ways of the Force, and becomes a Jedi, the greatest Jedi of the universe or something. And right now, David Oakes is over here thinking, oh, J. Tom's going to tell me to be a Jedi for Jesus. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is not the point of this message. 
the reason I tell you this story is because I think it conveys a truth that's important for us, right? And that truth is when you know where you come from, you know where you belong, right? We come from Jesus. And so through that, we know where we belong, which is his church, right? And I'm not talking about this room. I'm talking about the big C church, the family of God. That's what church is. It's the family of God communing together, right? In 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13, it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews and Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. That's telling us right there that the family of God doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter any of those things. If you've been baptized into Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you are a part of one family, the church. Ever notice how families tend to kind of act alike? They kind of have the same qualities. My family, the quality that you would see in my brother, me, and my sister is that we're dramatic. I don't know if you can tell. I think that I'm a pretty, you know, stable, deadpan kind of guy, but obviously I'm a little dramatic too. My brother and my sister are as well. You know. See, he's dramatic. Can't even take it. I'm just, I'm trying to compliment him. Drama makes him a better worshiper. Who wants to follow a guy who's like, I'm no longer a slave for you. And that's even kind of dramatic on its own way. But see, I can't even not be dramatic. I try not to be, and I am dramatic. The family of God acts alike too. They're not, they may be dramatic, but that's not what makes them the same, right? Our family has the qual- The reason we're alike is because we're like Jesus. That's what we're supposed to look like. When the world sees the family of God, when the world look at, looks at the church, they should see an example of Jesus, our founder of our family. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This verse is basically, this passage is talking about the just, this is the first generation of Christians. This is, these are people, most of them, who have seen Jesus alive, seen Jesus walking on the earth. And this is the, the beginning of what would become the church of Jesus, right? And it's basically describing who they were and how they lived. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. That's a description of what it means to live in family with, as, as believers in Jesus, as followers of Jesus, as family members of Jesus, right? It's this people that are described 
as selling all of their possessions for any need that arose within that family, bearing each other's burdens. They would, they would share with one another. They were communing, communing together, breaking bread together, eating together, worshiping together, praying together. You see, you see a theme here? They were together. And the family of God needs to be together. Communion is important for a disciple. Disciples aren't, we're not rogue agents. We're not running off on our own. We're not Luke Skywalker who's going off to beat the, beat the empire by himself, right? We need each other because that's the way God designed it. We together, I cannot be an example of Jesus on my own. I will fail at reaching that picture, right? But collectively, all of us in this room who are followers of Jesus, when we all come together and we're in communion with one another, we begin to look like Jesus. The other thing I think, too, that's important to know within the body of Christ, within the family of God, is it's a safe place. Families provide safety for the young. So my daughter, when she was learning to walk, we didn't go put her in the street right? Like we didn't go put her in the street when she's trying to learn how to walk for the first time. That's kind of dangerous. And the church is another safe place for the young in faith, right? We should be caretakers and almost helping raise up these young believers in the faith so that they can learn what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the safety and the protection of their family. We can't just like let people run off on their own and, and get hurt, right? emotionally, physically, spiritually, all those things, right? We need to be a safe place where the young in faith can come and grow up to become true, mature disciples of God and then make disciples that look like them too. Once you know where you come from and you know where you belong, then you get to be a part of what your family does. Everybody's heard the phrase like being a part of the family business. That's, that's kind of like kind of fallen out of favor in the modern day because we kind of live in a service economy and everybody's like, well, I'm going to go do my own thing, right? But before that, a couple generations removed and pretty much the same in the rest of the world, people kind of have one line of business that their family does, right? They, they might have been stonemasons or carpenters. My family, my father even falls in line with this, right? My dad's dad was an oil man. My dad is an oil man too. And so the family business was oil. Ever wonder why Jesus was a carpenter? Jesus was a carpenter because Joseph, his adopted father, was a carpenter. So there's this truth that families have something that they're about, right? Families have something that they do. So if you know where you belong, which is Jesus, I mean, you know where you come from, which is Jesus, and you know where you belong, which is in his family, the church, then you get to be a part of what he does, which is love. Love is the family business of the family of God. That's what we're about. That's it. We may go, we go, may go make disciples, but we make disciples so that those disciples can then go love the world because that's what Jesus did, right? Our family business is the business of love. What is the greatest commandment? Matthew twenty-two, 
36 through 40, Jesus tells us. Jesus spoke about love constantly. There's, there's lots of things that he talked about a lot of, but two of them that he talked about a lot of was love and his father, right? Family and love. Matthew 22, it says, a guy comes to him, he says, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Again, Jesus in John chapter 13 says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's how, the, that's how the world should see us. That's what the family of God should be defined by, is our love. When they see us, they should see love. We've failed more often than we should at, at conveying that love, right? We get caught up in the sways of this thing or the, the movement of that, or, or we get afraid and, and, we, and we stop loving, or we, don't even, we were never taught how to love. But that's what we should strive for is to love and love in everything. Jesus also didn't just command us to love our family, which we should do. He tells us to love our enemy, right? There's a, there's a phrase that's been used a lot this week. You've seen it on Twitter. You've seen it on Instagram. You've seen it on Facebook. It's called love wins. Love does win. And we, as the family of God, need to be a picture of what real love is. We not hate, we're not judgmental, we love. And the world has many definitions of what love is, but there's only one real love. And that was defined by Jesus at Calgary, right? On the, at the, when he laid down his life, for people who were enemies to him, enemies to his father, who wanted to kill him. They were killing him, and yet he loved. He was about his father's business, which was love. We need to be about our father's business, which is love. Love never fails. And we love because God first loved us. So that's my challenge. That's what mean, it means to be a disciple. It means to know where, you are, know where you came from, know where you belong, and love. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, this is your legacy. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. You get to claim Jesus as family. You get to belong in a place where people love one another and give freely and, and will go to the end, that they will literally lay down their life for you. And you get to love. And that is the greatest thing that we get to be with because that means that we get to be like Jesus. If you aren't following Jesus, if you're just seeking him, if you're, if you're not yet sure 
that, that this is the life for you, that you want to be a part of this family. I just want you to stop and think about this, just to think about what we've spoken about and realize this is what you can be a part of. This is what Jesus is calling you into. He's not calling you to be perfect. He's not calling you to um, be a slave to his laws and his commandments. He's calling you to be in relationship with me as family and to love. If that's you, if you feel that urge, if you feel something pushing you, saying, I want to be a part of that family, I would encourage you, don't wait. Don't wait another day to enter into this place, enter into this family, to be welcomed in and adopted into the family of God. Come forward and get prayed for and get welcomed into the family of God. We'll have prayer workers up here who will just be thrilled to pray for you, to receive Jesus, to for, for him to forgive your sins and be welcomed into this family. And if you're also a believer of Jesus and you just need prayer, if you felt alone, if you felt separated from God, if you felt like you don't have a family, you didn't have a place where you belong, you didn't have an identity, come forward and let's pray together as a family. Let's bear each other's burdens. Let's be a family. But above all, let's go love the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you because you first loved us, Father. Thank you for Jesus, the author of our family, Lord God, the, father, the man who came and he laid down his life so that we could be restored into your family, Lord God, that we would no longer be orphans living out in the world on our own, dependent on our own strength to survive but you have paved the way. You have adopted us back into your family, Father. Thank you so much, Lord God. I pray for those who yet to know your son, yet to know what it means to walk in the family of God. And I pray, Lord God, that you would, you would just encourage them, Lord God, push them into your family, Lord God. Encourage them to come forward, Lord God, and receive Jesus, Lord God. Receive what it means to be a son of God. And Lord God, I pray above all, Lord, that your people would be known by their love, Lord God, that the world would not be able to define what love is, Lord God, but that your people would put on display how you defined love. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, like I said, we have prayer workers up here. If you need prayer for anything, if it had to do with the message, please come forward and pray. If you have prayer requests of any other sort, if, it's, if you have sick members of your family, if you have a crisis going on with your work, if you have anything, if you even just have a praise report, come forward and pray with your family. I pray that the rest of this week for every one of you is blessed. Be encouraged and know that our God is our God and that he is eternal and he is omnipotent and he is omnipresent and that we have a family who, that extends from all eternity. We are part of the body of Christ, so be encouraged. Go love your neighbor. Go love the world. You are dismissed.